childhood experience and how that event has impacted who they are today. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences that have impacted who I am today. But I'd like to think that everything that happened, good or bad, has made me a better person. That may not be true, but that's what I'd like to think. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classics, one Little Act of Kindness, and I've Got Peace in My Fingers. All right. Today I have as my guest, Tina Algamal. Tina is an artist, educator, and arts administrator in Chicago. She believes in the power of a good story and a good cup of coffee. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. Tina, I'm fired up. You know, I, I'm going to add very briefly to your bio that you're a good friend of my daughter's. Yeah. As a consequence, a good friend of mine as well, or at least friend. <laughs> I don't want to overstate please. my relationship. No, please add that. I love it. All right. So take it away, Tina Algamar. So this is a story that I tell a lot, that my mother and I co-tell a lot together, and it has become a bit of a legend in our lives that we sort of repeat over and over again. So it goes, once when I was, I think about seven or eight, I was going to an after-school program at the Lincoln Park Cultural Center, and it gave my mom a little extra time between work and having to pick me up from the end of the school day. We did all sorts of programs there, it was really nice. I got to hang out with other kids. She would usually come get me in the evening around five, I think, 5.30. And it was the middle of winter. And we all know Chicago winters. It gets dark at 4 p.m. And it's really, really cold. And sometimes there's lots of snow or slush or ice. And this particular day, there was all of that. And so my mom comes to pick me up. And we're supposed to go to my dad's apartment that night to have dinner with him. They're already divorced at this point. So we're visiting him a few times a week and doing things like dinner or going out. And this was a night to go have dinner at dad's. And my mom was running late, which was frequent occurrence in my childhood and something I inherited from her that I'm now trying to course correct. She was running late and was in a huge rush to get to my dad's because he was cooking dinner and she didn't want to be late. She wanted to respect his time. So she comes to get me. We haul out of the Lincoln Park Cultural Center. I've got my backpack, all my stuff. I'm sure I'm like taking my coat off and causing all sorts of mischief the way a seven or eight year old does. And the way my mom tells it, she had spoiled me up to this point in that she used to always open the car door for me and put me in the seat and buckle my seatbelt for me my whole life up to this point. And Around this time, she said that she was trying to break that habit because she decided I was old enough to do those things for myself. And 
she said that one day it really occurred to her when we went to get into the car and I just walked up to the door and stood there and did nothing (laughs) and just waited. And she was like, oh, this kid needs to be able to let herself into the car and and buckle her own seatbelt. So this is a habit I have to break. And she's starting to break that habit. So we're walking to the car. She's not opening the door for me and not going to put me in the car. And it is snowing. And it's the pretty Chicago snow, which is rare, but it is a winter wonderland and it is like glittering and it's about to be a blizzard. Actually, there had been blizzard warnings all day and it was starting. It was really beautiful and the snow was fresh. It had just fallen. There were a couple inches and so there weren't like a lot of car tracks or footprints in it yet. And being the kid that I am, I'm like looking at it and trying to turn it into art. So I'm like staring down at it, standing by the car, and I'm stomping around in my boots, making a pattern in the snow, trying to make a picture, I guess. And I'm so hyper-focused on what I'm doing. I'm stomping around and looking at the way the snow glitters, making this probably what I thought was a masterpiece. And I look up, and my mom's gray station wagon is gone. (laughs) And I am alone in the middle of Lincoln Park. It's dark outside and a blizzard is starting. And the after school building is across the street. And I hadn't learned how to cross the street by myself yet. I was always told to cross the street with an adult still at this point. And so my first thought is, oh no, oh no, this is bad. I don't know where my mom went. I can't cross. I'm not allowed to cross the street. I didn't have a phone. I was seven. And this was really before cell phones were a common thing to have. I don't even think my mom had one yet. So I realized I was going to have to get back to the after school building and have someone find a way to contact my mom, which involved crossing the street, which I didn't know how to do. And I'm in the middle of Lincoln Park and it's busy and it's blizzarding. So I'm terrified. And as I'm doing all this deliberation, my mom's side of the story is she's in the car and it's dark, so she can't see into the back seat really well through the rear view. And she's talking to me. She's like, Oh, Tina, I am hungry. Are you hungry? I really hope dad made a good dinner. What do you think he made? And I don't respond. And I had a black winter coat at the time. And she had some also black bags in the back seat of the car. So she said, When she looks in the rear view, it looks like I'm slumped over, maybe falling asleep. So she goes, Oh, Tina, are you tired? Do you have a long day at school? No answer. Tina, Tina, you're scaring me. Answer me. She gets to the next red light, turns around and realizes that I'm not there. <laughs> and I, I wind up crossing this street by myself. I'm terrified. I'm like going to get hit by a car. <laughs> and I'm like remembering everything I've ever been taught about crossing the street. And I'm like, okay, look both ways. Keep looking both ways. I'm thinking to myself, maybe I could ask someone for help, but then I've been told not to talk to strangers. So I'm like really caught here. I finally make it across the street and I go inside and tell the folks who run my program, my mom left without me. I don't know why she would do that. And I'm really confused. I thought she did it on purpose. Maybe like she was trying to teach me a lesson. I don't know. And I'm I'm really freaked out and riled up. And they call my mom and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm probably there for maybe five or 10 minutes, but it's much longer than that. And I'm sitting there and I hear my mom's keys as she kind of walks through the door. And that's like one of my core like memories as a child is the sound of my mom's keys. And it was always the same my whole, the whole time I was living with her. 
so I remember hearing her come into the building before I saw her. I was so relieved. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, my mom is here. Everything's fine. And we reunited, went and go had dinner at my dad's. And it is sort of now this lore that we tell. And we think it's really funny now, but at the time we were both really freaked out. And yeah, we, we, we tell that story at, at parties and, and with friends a lot. And it always gets a good laugh. And I remember how stressed I felt in the moment. I can only imagine how stressed my mom felt in the moment, knowing that I was seven alone outside in a blizzard with not a lot of my own skills. That's my story. You know, I'm a father, so that story resonates with me. I know you're okay because I'm looking at you, so I know I'm going to find you. But I, it's the nightmare of every parent, as I'm sure you can imagine. I'm sure your mother, it's burned in her memory every, almost every sentence she said to the black bags behind her, you know, that she thought you were there. And then finding out or realizing at the stoplight that you're not there must have been cause for great panic. But thankfully, it sounds like it was a relatively short period of time, which doesn't matter when you're a kid, it's forever. And when you're a parent, I think it's forever too. But Tina, how do you think that story has impacted who you are today? I think that experience did two big things for me. One, it highlighted the importance of cultivating independence on a lot of levels. We wouldn't have found ourselves in that situation if I had learned how to just open my own freaking car door and let myself in. And I think it also taught me that sometimes I'm going to have to do something that's scary or that I don't know how to do yet, but I will have no choice but to do it. And that's how I'm going to learn how to do it. When you're seven or eight, the world feels really, really big. And there are so many things that you don't know how to do yet. So having to cross the street, having to deliberate whether or not this is a good and acceptable, appropriate moment to ask a stranger for help at that time in life feels like really big decisions and trying to figure out skills that you may or may not have yet. And I think that that process comes up all the time, no matter how old we are. Sometimes we're faced with decisions or having to do things that we haven't had to face yet or haven't had to do yet. And sometimes the only way to figure it out is by being brave and doing it, learning through the doing. So I think I really got that from this. So those are sort of like two peas in a pod to me. And then the other piece of it is realizing that parents are human and that parents are fallible. And that even though from a young age, for those of us who are lucky, we see them as the people who are going to protect us 24 seven, no matter what, without fail, they're also human and they're going to make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes are gonna come at your expense or their own expense or the expense of others. And there is sort of a huge revelation in realizing that our parents are people too. And that just because they're grown ups or just because they're our parents doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes. And I think that that has really shaped my relationship with the adults in my life, in my family, specifically my mom, but I think all of them realizing that they're all humans that had a life before me. And now that I'm an adult and not living with them and directly under their care, continue to have a life without me. And now I am a part of their life. Whereas maybe at one point I was what felt like their whole life and vice versa. 
And I think that's a really powerful thought and realization. I think you're right. I think everything you're saying is 100% right. And every every child does have that moment at some point where they go, oh, my parents don't know every darn thing or they do make mistakes. And it can shake you up as a little guy or a li- li- young lady, but at some point, a young person. But on the other hand, it is a lesson that we have to learn. So I definitely felt your pain there. I'm so happy that it was <laughs> a small window. wasn't too long. I think people experience, you know, getting lost or getting separated from loved ones in different forms. And so your story resonates, of course, to me on a slightly different level than somebody else. But I think everybody can relate to your story in some way. And that that person, that young person who's watching or just turns away and says, wait, where did mom go? That's, (laughs) (laughs) that's, Sorry, but that's something that all of us to a certain extent experience in some way where we realize, oh, mama can't be there 24-7. In your case, they, she can't open the door. She's not going to she's going to stop opening the door for you and putting your safety belt on. But uh, yeah, it's a great story. And I'm, I'm glad that it ended well. So your mother's doing okay these days? She is. She's doing great. She just moved down to part-time at work. I think retirement's on the horizon, so I'm excited for her. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you, Tina, for being a guest on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. This was fun. All right. So that's our show. I'd like to thank Tina Algamar for coming on the show and telling us her story. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Sidelining Publishing and LaughSaver.com. So until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to please stay safe out there. Try not to get lost, but if you do, hope you get found fast. And try not to hurt anybody.